Hello, hello, and thank you for joining me for another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions and resilience and nurturing our children's emotional world, trying something different. Um, full disclosure, I have COVID, so I might be a little brain foggy. I'm finding I'm having a lot of word retrieval difficulties. I'm so worried. You know, I don't have a lot of worries, but this is my big one. Just the damage that it's doing to my brain, anything that's going to not help me live to 115. My kids are like, there's no way you're going to live that long anyways. But I'm hoping. I really am hoping. I'm taking good care of myself. And then these things happen. But I just couldn't stay away from my children when they you know, weren't testing positive for COVID, but they definitely had the symptoms and, you know, I can't not hug them and I can't not love them and probably, you know, tasting their hot chocolates and finishing their food. That's my own like food waste issues. Anyways, I will stop talking about this and get on to the topic for today. But just in case I'm looking more spacey than usual, that is why. But today I really wanted to take this opportunity. Now that we're getting close to the holidays, I can't believe that they're just around the corner. I'm I want to explore the unique opportunities that the holiday season and the winter break really provide us for nurturing our children's emotional uh, resilience being able to work on some of these emotion regulation skills. I will be getting back to the Parent Trap series, but I really wanted to talk about this time because it is a special time for families. And I think that we get so caught up in busy, busy, stress, stress, stress that we don't just calm and enjoy the moment. And there are lots of periods that are filled with excitement. So how can we capitalize on that and really be mindful of those traditions, right? How can we break from our usual routines and not get caught up in all the busyness and look back at the end disappointed? Because there can be a lot of fun, right? But there are lots of unique challenges, lots of opportunities that comes into our day-to-day -day routines that are out of routine that really helps with our children's emotional development, right? So that's why I just wanted to take that quick break from the Parenting Trap series so we can focus on this change in pace, the festive activities, the potential stressors that do come up, right? All of that could be leveraged to help our children develop stronger emotion regulation skills. So I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity. That's what we're going to be talking about. So we all know that the holiday season does come with highs and lows, right? I love the analogy of kaleidoscope of our emotions when we're looking at, you know, for our children. I don't know why I did it down by my mouth. If you're watching me, it's up by our eyes, right? So with that kaleidoscope, on the one hand, there is all of that excitement and the joy and, and the brightness, right? It is a really nice break from all of the stressors that are build, building up through the year. But on the other hand, we're all the challenges that can create a lot of stress and anxiety and things like our changes in routine, our high expectations. There can be late nights, overeating, huge sensory overload. I know in our home, we actually have a yearly Christmas party. I can't remember what year we're on. I think we're on like our 18th, maybe even our 20th annual party. It's a big deal. But for me, it's always just thinking about it is just so stressful. I'm always overwhelmed. Part of me almost hopes that I still have COVID for the party. It's just in a couple of days, right? It's just in a few days. And so I'm like, ah, maybe, you know, just because it's so much, but I don't want to miss out on it either, 
right? So there's just that overstimulation. It could be the bright lights from loud music, crowded spaces. All of that can lead to irritability, more anxiety, withdrawal, and, and even meltdowns for us, but our kids, for sure. For some kids, you know, they thrive on predictability. And so we can see these huge mood swings. Their, their sleep is disrupted. We see huge behavioral issues, right? If, if we see these routines that are disrupted, but the challenges can be a good thing when we're approaching it in a helpful way. And that's what we want to do. So, so the goal here is not to avoid the challenges, not to avoid the big emotions, but we're going to equip ourselves and our kids with the skills to face and to learn from those experiences. So these are really challenges that are going to help with the real world context where children can practice their emotion regulation skills and it gives us the opportunity to support and nurture those skills and build our own co-regulation skills. So even if it isn't a big overstimulated overwhelm, the excitement of receiving gifts, if you're a family that does that, the anticipation of any special events, the disappointment when things don't go as expected, all of those offer moments for children to recognize, to understand, and to manage their emotions. And all three of those pieces are really important. We know that the holidays often bring in changes in those routines. Like I said, that can be really unsettling for a lot of our children. So how can we capitalize on that as an opportunity to develop flexibility, resilience, problem solving, learning to adjust to a different pace, to adjust to new environments or expectations, meeting new people, even the presence of extended family members. We can give our children lots of opportunities to build their resilience muscles. It's so important to thrive in our world. It's always changing, right? There's always going to be disappointments and things we didn't expect. So I think that all of these pieces are really important. Now, I do want to quickly look at the impact of the holidays and the family dynamics on children's emotional well-being, because those holidays do mean usually extended family gatherings or friends or whatever that looks like for you, which really can alter the family environment or just their day-to-day routine. So children might feel this pressure to behave a certain way right? Especially if you're like, you got to remember how to be at grandma's house or how to be at Auntie May's or remember, you can't do this in our own home when Auntie May's here. Maybe it's just the attention of all of the adults can be so overwhelming. And additionally, when we're looking at this, any existing family tensions, that can just heighten the stress. And children are really incredibly sensitive to all of these things. So if you have a family conflict and you're trying to be all you know, cheery, but there's an edge to it. I mean, kids just pick up on that. So it's really important for families to create a very supportive and understanding atmosphere during these times. We want to try to maintain some routine if, if, if we can. I mean, it's going to be inevitable that some disruption is going to happen, right? But we want to try to balance things and have a sense of security while we're teaching kiddos how to adapt to changes in the environments. So think of some of those core pieces that you can maintain. We still need to go to sleep. We still need to eat. Maybe when we're sleeping and what we're eating is different. But if you have a bedtime ritual, could you do even just one little piece of that? Do your hug and kiss, maybe a quick bedtime story, even if it is at midnight, right? What semblance can you do? We still always should be brushing our teeth, maybe. Is there something that you can hold to? Um, at mealtimes, that's a great one, right? What is a 
a tradition. Maybe we're eating different foods, but maybe we can have some routine still around that. One I always do is quiet alone time. <laughs> we all need that. That's so important because I think we forget about it sometimes because we are so go, 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 go. There's no time to just have a quiet alone time. I remember our very first Christmas with our, I mean, the first Christmas, but our daughter was born. We rushed. We got up early Christmas morning, the three of us, me and my husband and my newborn baby. And, and well, I guess she wasn't newborn then, but our baby, we spent the whole day rushing in the car from one place to the next. We were so overwhelmed. She didn't want to look at presents. So I guess she would have been probably about 10 months old. She didn't want to look at presents. It was just too much. She didn't want to eat. She just wanted to go home. She was so overwhelmed. We were overwhelmed, right? So we got to think of the kids. We were overstimulated, but too much stimulation for them without that rest, that can lead to so many emotional and physical burnout in our kids, right? All of those symptoms. Since that, it only took us one Christmas. Since that first Christmas, so 16 years later, she's 16 now, um, we set a boundary that we said we are never leaving our house on Christmas Day other than to go deliver treats at the fire stations. We do not leave the house on Christmas Day and no visitors on Christmas Day either, right? We we set that boundary. We do have extended family members that we're going to see around the holidays, just not on Christmas Day. So we have to have a really good balance between that go, go, go and that high energy activities and all of the food and everything that we're doing with those quiet moments. So I really encourage you to think about those alone quiet times. That's really important. So after a day out visiting, a day out engaging in lots of, you know, festive activities, plan a calm evening. Maybe it's just a movie. Maybe it's reading time. Just balancing that out can really help children regulate their energy and their emotions. So maybe if it's going to be a late night, how can we have a calmer day? Um, maybe have a rough schedule. You know, okay, this is what should we make our day look like just to help manage some of those expectations. And so maybe you're going to have some planned family activities, some planned visiting, but again, that downtime. Uh, I would really get your kids involved in the planning, you know, around that too. What what do you want our holidays to look like in this week or two or whatever it looks like that's off? That including them just helps them feel valued. It helps them feel like they're part of that process and it helps them, you know, with important skills like decision making and prioritization. Um, so those things can be really helpful. It's also important to set realistic expectations about what the holidays are for you and your children and what you want them to be. So we might acknowledge that the holidays are special, but we also want to keep some of those daily routines in place. Uh, I talked about semblance of routines, but if you were to keep anything, I would say for sure wake up time. If you could keep the wake up time the same throughout the holidays, that will make all the difference in the world. Yes, bedtimes are important, but I do think wake-up times, well, we do know, wake-up times are even more important. So even if it is a late night, I mean, for me, it's tricky because I get up, you know, 3.30, 4. And so if it's a late night, that might be a bit trickier for me. But that's so important just to keep our circadian uh, clocks going, right? Especially once we get back to school and back to work and all of those types of things. But that's a big one for me. I like to promote that for families as well. A regular sleep schedule or at least wake schedule is really vital for our kids' emotional and physical health. So if you do have to have a late night and there's a sleep in and you can't get that night calm, could you balance it with the quieter day the next day just so we can allow for that rest? 
Uh, another one really is the nutritious meal. So even if you know you're going to ha- go out for a big dinner, right, or whatever that is, I, I, we still need to have good meals. So how can we balance that out earlier on in the day, right? Maintain our energy levels, our mood stability, all of those types of things. Another big one is screens, right? Um, actually, me and my daughter have been home alone with screens, because we're sick, we're with COVID, there's not a lot that we can do. And so that's what she wants to do is just to go on a screen. But that's a big slippery slope. And it can lead to all sorts of problems. If we give away too much, it's way harder to take it back in. And, and regardless, you know, having some consistency, however you choose to do it really helps children understand and adjust to the blend of change and the consistency. And just because we have this free time doesn't mean we should be filling it with screens. That is so important just because we know how dysregulating screens are. And it makes life easier when we want to transition back to school and to work. And kids should be doing so many things. When I was a kid, there weren't screens to be doing. We had to fill our time. We want them to learn to fill their time with other things. Just because you have some downtime doesn't mean we need to fill it with screens. There might be pushback. But we want to encourage this open communication where we can allow our children to express their feelings without fear of judgment. So tell us how frustrated you are that we're not allowed to do screens today. Let's talk about this. Man, bummer, you were really hoping. How disappointing. You really wanted your screens today. Just validate. You don't need to go into, but we need to be doing all these other things. And, but we got to go. Don't worry about, just validate. Man, that was disappointing. You really wanted to play Minecraft or whatever it is, right? So looking at those pieces and and so setting some boundaries, whether it's tech-free days, tech-free times, tech-free zones, whatever that looks like. And we want to look at opportunities to build resilience. So we're encouraging our kiddos to adapt to new situations, to participate in different family traditions. We want to build that adaptability so we can teach coping strategies for this as well. Self-awareness, recognizing how I'm feeling right now, recognizing when we're getting overwhelmed, and then being able to communicate, I feel overwhelmed, I'm frustrated, I'm tired, I need to take a break, or I need to do this thing. I need to find a quiet activity. Obviously, for younger kids and maybe for your older kids who've never done this before, we need to co-regulate and help. But just being able to identify, we will be self-modeling that too. I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. I do that, you know, at our annual party. I'm just like, I'm, I need a break. I'm just going to go take a quiet moment for myself. So we can model those things too. And oftentimes, actually, my girls will come with me because they have a low social battery as well. And so they just see that as a, oh, mom. She's taking her break. It's my chance to go sneak away too. So looking for those activities to decompress, right? These experience, all of these experiences can be really powerful lessons. When those emotions run high, whether it's excitement or disappointment, because we can get overly excited and overly carried away and silly and now we're dysregulated, we want to capitalize on those invaluable moments and we want to guide our children through acknowledging their feelings, getting them to drop into their body, recognize what's going on for them. Like if I were to do it right now, I would say, oh, right here, right? It's for, oh, and actually right here, if I'm looking at COVID, so my forehead and my chest right now, if I were to drop into my body, what's bringing me down? What's exhausting me so much right now, right? Just being able, just talking is a lot of work and a lot of effort. 
But obviously that's easy for me. But the more that we can do that through the holidays, maybe that's one of your routines in the morning. How are we feeling? Drop into your body. Even if it's, you know, what attaching a feeling to where you're feeling that feeling in the body, maybe it's even just pick an elbow. What does your right elbow feel like? Getting used to that language about dropping into their body. But we can talk about how we're feeling and discussing healthy ways to express emotions. And so looking in, you know, we want to get on offense. Okay, we're going to go to grandma's house. What do you think grandma's house is going to be like? It's going to be boring. Okay, it's going to be boring. How is boring going to show up, right? What is it going to say? What is it going to feel like? What is it going to want you to do? What can we do to counteract? How can we cope with that so that we keep it together, right? We're not freaking out. So we don't want to wait until we're too overwhelmed, right? So it's really about getting on offense and being good detectives, catching those big emotions before they get big, right? I can just feel that little niggling right now so that they have the capacity to cope. Because otherwise, if they're too far gone, it's just a matter of saying, hey, kiddo, I can see you're overwhelmed right now. I'll be right over here when you're ready. We just need to let them, you know, we need time for them to be able to calm down and we're not going to re-trigger that. It's also helpful to be proactive um, and, and create that plan. So we're talking about it, but maybe you're writing it down. Maybe you're writing some coping cards, right? So we're expecting the big emotions to show up because we know boring McBoringson or emotional Ed or uh, irritable Ivan or whatever it is, it's going to show up. So what are those emotions that might show up? What, and you know, let's write on the coping cards, what we can do if we're starting to feel overwhelmed. In my house, we do have a code word, right? Puppy, if we see somebody else maybe getting overwhelmed and snappy and stressed and irritable, but maybe if you're at a family holiday party, right, and you're noticing your kiddo becoming increasingly irritable or maybe they're increasingly withdrawn or mopey, that could be a sign that they're overstimulated. So again, if you've got that code word before to help signal, hey, let's take a break, puppy, oh yeah, okay, I need to take a break, right? Maybe it's a break from the noise, Um Maybe it's a break from the activity, whatever is going on for them. Maybe they just need a quick juice box. We can have that code word so we can catch it before it becomes a full-blown problem, right? Where emotions just completely take over and then there's not much that we can do other than wait it out, right? If you can drop into the body, identify how are they feeling, keeping that prefrontal cortex online. That's why I like dropping into the body. When we get into the body, we're putting our detective, we're putting our curiosity brain on. We got to stay curious. That means our prefrontal cortex is online, which means we're going to be able to cope with our emotions or at least manage them because otherwise when the Wi-Fi goes off to our prefrontal cortex, that's when the emotions take over. So when when some big disappointment happens, maybe an outdoor event that they were looking forward to gets canceled, we can help our children process that disappointment. We're going to acknowledge their feelings. I can see like how disappointing. What a big bummer. I was really looking forward to going and looking at the lights or whatever that is. Then we can ask open-ended questions to get them thinking about what they can do next. So maybe brainstorming alternative fun activities that you could do indoors, right? So what could we do instead tonight? We have a free night. What are we going to do? So we're validating those feelings. We're not going to try to, it's okay, let's do something fun instead. No, we're still validating their feelings. Bummer. I was looking forward to that too. That sucks, dude. I could see you really wanted to go 
So what are we going to do, right? We're asking that open-ended question rather than telling them or trying to get them to see the silver lining. Those big feelings are inevitably going to show up. We just don't want to get stuck there. So no matter what those emotions are that come up, we're creating a supportive, validating environment. Kids feel safe to express how they're feeling, even if it's not something that you feel like you want to hear, like they're bored or whatever. We're allowing them to express them, okay? Or if they're super excited and silly and we're like, calm down, calm down. No, just I can see you're super excited, Okay. If they're sad or they're frustrated, whatever it is, we want to allow them to express any of those feelings that come up. We're not trying to downplay it. We're trying not to fix it or get them to look on the happy side of things. That's so important because when we do that, we're minimizing. And if we're minimizing how they're feeling, they might just act up because you don't get it. You're not listening to me. You don't understand. Or they're going to feel like it's not safe to share. You're not going to listen anyway. So we're always validating their feelings. They need to feel heard and understood. I know you're listening, but they need to feel it, that they are heard and understood. That's so important. And in doing that, we're helping them express their feelings in a really helpful way. So you can use emotion cards or an emotion wheel if you want, you know, where we have lots of different emotions depicted so that they can identify exactly how they're feeling. Because we can usually think of happy, sad, frustrated, mad, right? But to really get into those subtle sort of feelings, we're keeping our prefrontal cortex online, which is really important because our brain can only come up with a few things. So it helps with identifying emotions, which is a key part of emotion regulation. When we name it, we're already taking some of its power away. We're taming it, right? And it also opens up a conversation that can help them move on. We're likely going to feel stress and overwhelm ourselves so we can capitalize on all of those moments to model healthy emotion regulation for our children. It's okay to be stressed in front of our kids. I actually encourage it, right? We just need to make sure we're expressing our stress or disappointment or whatever we're feeling in an appropriate way. We're using our words, right? You can say, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed with all the holiday preparation. So I'm just going to go take a few minutes, you know, to myself and stretch. My girls have asked me, like, are you excited for the party? And I'm actually honest. I'm not uber excited. Well, how come? And so I talked about, well, it's overwhelming and all these things. I do have these things that I'm looking forward to, but I know all of these things are so much work and it's so overwhelming, but this is what I'm going to do to cope right? So it's just showing our kids it's normal to have all of these feelings, right? And that there's healthy ways to be able to cope with them. So we want to make sure that we're doing that. So we're we're navigating challenges, whatever challenges that come up, we're being proactive in face of whatever those challenges might be. But we can also create opportunities for our children to build that resilience muscle as well. So maybe we're having our children involved in the holiday planning. That encourages that sense of responsibility and adaptability, right? So for this party, I'm actually offloading some of the work to my girls where they're going to pick the food. Normally, that's something that I do, but I'm going to have them pick the food that we're going to have for for the party. Um, And recently, actually, I love sharing this story because I didn't actually think it would come to fruition, but my eldest daughter had talked about, you know, how terrible the paint was and she hated people coming over because she was embarrassed, you know, by what our house looked like and she wanted, you know, was just always complaining about the paint. So I'm like, well, what paint do you think? And she actually went and researched. And so I'm like, okay, find whatever 
whatever paint you think is going to work and we'll go buy it. And so I took her to the store and I did not like the color. It was like this baby blue. And I just thought it was going to be terrible. Like I'm talking our kitchen and main living room, like all one big room. Right. But it was her responsibility and she took to it and I followed through. And I also said she could paint. She wanted to help paint. And I'm like, sure, kiddo. She actually ended up doing it all by herself. So not only did she paint the walls, she also painted our natural brick fireplace completely white. Eek, right? Eek is all I could say. And so we're putting it on or, well, she's putting it on and I'm watching her put it on and I see it coming together. And like, I feel like I'm in an institution. Now it's so like just the white and the baby blue. Like, I just don't think it's going to look very great. I really felt like I was in a hospital, but what a resilience building activity for her. It was so empowering for her. And to be quite honest, when she got it done, had the second coat of layer of second coat of paint on, it looks so good now. It looks so much better than I possibly thought it could, right? And so um, we we took off the mantle from our fireplace since it's white now and we can't have a white mantle and baby blue walls. So my husband got a piece of wood and is staining it. Uh, it's not on yet, but it's going to look fantastic, right? And so it's amazing. And you know what? It's just paint. Even if it was terrible, we could just paint over it again, but I could never give another opportunity like that. She was so empowered. Maybe that's a big leap for you, but maybe you can have kids plan the holiday menu, right? So so getting them in, or in charge of something, maybe they can make some cupcakes or a cake. Just don't go back and try to fix it all around. Just let them do their thing right? It's just such a good lesson for resilience for us and for them, for us to be able to tolerate our not having everything perfect, whatever that looks like. So we can focus on what we learned for next time too, right? If it did, if, if the paint was a complete flop, what could we do next? How can we problem solve, right? What are we going to do to manage this now? What's the next step? And maybe we're going to have fun in the process together, um, last year I hosted a holiday party for my work colleagues and I didn't realize I had just assumed in my head that the order for the big main courses were coming through, but what ended up getting ordered was just a few appetizers. So I didn't realize I actually didn't order the main meals. So we have all these people and just a couple, like literally just a couple of little appetizers. So in the moment, my children were there because it was at, at our house, but okay, this is stressful. This is overwhelming. What are we going to do? Everybody is starving, right? But we figured it out on the spot. How are we going to feed all of these people right now? And my girls were there. She saw me problem solving. And I actually asked, any ideas? Come, let's figure this out. So I think that that's important. But there's so many things too. You know, there's, there's, how can you give back to the community? You know, volunteering and giving back are such important activities that we can jump into that teach empathy, that teach resilience. We can look for ways to participate in, maybe it's a local charity event, you know, maybe as a family, we're going to go help out a, at a community center. Those experiences help children understand, you know, different people's perspectives. It really helps them develop emotional resilience and facing real world issues, depending on, you know, where you're volunteering. You, you could also engage family problem-solving sorts of activities that could be fun but build critical thinking and resilience. 
Um, there's cooperative board games. I mean, at home, we have a lot of those because we usually get pretty competitive. And so it can get nasty when we're competing against each other. So we tend to turn to cooperative board games. But there's so many um, things that you could do that require teamwork. I love... Um, I think it's Panic at the Castle. I love it because it's us against the monsters. We all have to work together and think ahead about what each of our moves are. Where are you going to be next on your turn? Where are you going to be next, you know, when it's my turn? How can we help each other out and give each other resources before the monsters, you know, storm our, ca our castle? But... um those types of things can be really helpful. You know, there's a lot of collaboration, but it could be something too like building a gingerbread house or having a holiday themed scavenger hunt, right? You might have a city that hosts scavenger hunts, which can be really frustrating, but now we're working on tolerating that. Maybe one family member is a little bit slower, wants to go one way. Now we can work on conflict resolution, whatever that is, right? Persevering, even when it looks like it's just getting too hard. There's so many things you could do. Maybe you reflect back. Maybe during, you know, a family dinner, you're encouraging your family members to share a challenge that they faced in the past year and how they overcame it. All of these things, right? Well, with that one, it's just fostering a sense of shared resilience. It's providing us with different examples of how we overcame dif difficulties, um, difficult situations, how we solve things. Uh, we we have monthly dates. I know I've talked about it on previous podcasts with our daughters. So one on one each month, um, we're allowed to ask our kiddos three questions. And the one that I ask at the end of every year is, what was your biggest challenge this year? How did you manage it? And what have you learned for next time, right? Going into the new year or, or just for the next lesson. So those types of things can be really helpful. Uh, you could have new traditions that focus on building resilience. Maybe it's a resilience tree where everyone hangs a decoration representing a challenge or, you know, that they've been able to overcome or a strength that they possess. Having a visual representation can be really powerful just for us to remind ourselves that as a family and as individuals, we, we, have, we are resilient and we have our individual strengths and our family strengths. You can have a gratitude jar, right? Just fostering positive emotions and fostering some of that resilience that way. We used to do it when our girls were younger. We we had a little jar as a family. We would put, you know, think of something that we were thankful for a day and put a little gem into a jar. And so we're debriefing at the end of the day and looking at all of those things that we were grateful for during the day. And it could be just something like, thank you for making a yummy dinner or the sunrise was beautiful this morning. You could write something that you're grateful for and put it in a jar and then on New Year's Eve, read out all the notes together, right? Our brain just focuses so much on all the wrong things. This gives us a chance to focus on some of the good things that are going on in our life. Even if there's chaos and stress and crisis over the holidays, there are probably those nuggets of things that we could be gra grateful for. You could also do a gratitude scavenger hunt, creating a list of things to find that make people feel grateful. You know, it could be something in nature. It could be a kind act, a favorite family memory. It's just a great way to focus on gratitude in a fun way. And for younger kids, you might have an emotion-themed storytelling session. Right? We're building emotional awareness. We're building that emotion regulation. Every story revolves maybe around a specific emotion like happiness or sadness or anger. And you can discuss the story, discuss how the you know, characters felt in the story, how they handled their emotions, what was helpful, what was not, what they saw in themselves, right? 
identify for themselves if they've had similar experiences, right? You could have a holiday feelings chart and put it in a common area of the house, you know, and every day kids are expressing how they're feeling every day. So it's just getting them more aware of their own emotional state. We can address any concerns that they're experiencing. So I'm just kind of throwing it all out there. I don't think it, I don't know if any of it's coherent. Hopefully it's helpful. I feel my brain starting to shut down, but it's just a few ideas that really offer meaningful ways to strengthen resilience in children while we're trying to enjoy the, you know, the festivities of the, of the holidays. We can also focus on boosting protective factors. I mean, those are important for supporting our resilience too, just our family connection. So what family bonding activities can you do to an to, to really nurture those emotional connections and create that supportive environment. Baking, that could be fun, maybe, you know, we're, we're, we're incorporating teamwork. Children need to learn to follow steps. Maybe there's a little math in there if you half the recipe or double or one and a half the recipe, right? All of those are linked to some of the emotion regulation. If a cookie burns, a lot of things burn in our house. It doesn't turn out as expected. It's just a good opportunity to practice managing disappointment, maybe finding humor in the situation. So the last, I made these red velvet cookies that burned. Um, I put 10 hours instead of 10 minutes and then forgot about them. And both of my girls were so excited for these cookies. They look so good. And I got them probably about 20, 25 minutes. I didn't actually wait full 10 minutes or 10 hours, um, but they were, you know, a little black, um, but they loved them and they found new ways to eat them, right? So put, put a little bit of icing on, they still taste good. Now we don't have to share them with people. They got to eat them all themselves. So just how do we work through those disappointments and highlight the reality that sometimes things don't go as planned and that we do make mistakes and what did we learn? It was a new stove, just so you know. Um, I just didn't realize, right? It was just a different way of doing things. And so I set the timer incorrectly. So we want to acknowledge their disappointment. We're going to validate those feelings. I know you were like, I'm disappointed too. Like, I know you were really disappointed. You were really looking forward to those cookies all day. And I know you really wanted to take some to school for your friends. And then we're going to figure out what we can do next. So it's again, learning to adapt and just keep on going in unexpected situations. You could craft together, make holiday cards, holiday decorations. You're, you're encouraging creativity and emotional expression, right? Um, talking about giving and sharing. Crafts can be gifts for loved ones. You could organize evenings where each family member tells a story about a holiday memory. So now we're encouraging listening skills, empathy. We're providing a platform for emotional sharing. Maybe it's sharing our mistake of the day. I love that. I've talked about that before, or the challenge of the day that we faced and how we overcame it. So again, we're strengthening family bonds. We're highlighting the importance of our resilience what we learned from our mistakes, the ability to cope with things. Um, a solitude I've already talked about, but being able to, when we're giving them that quiet time, being able to be comfortable in their own company and with their own thoughts. That's so important for emotion regulation. So we're having that time too. Maybe it's a puzzle. I personally hate puzzles, but maybe it's a puzzle that's a calming activity. It improves focus and patience. You know, children, they're engaging in problem solving. It's a key part of resilience building. Physical activities, that's essential for emotional well-being. I can feel myself fading because I haven't had any physical activity in days. It's been 
horrible because I need to work out every day, but I just can't because I'm just not feeling it. But maybe it's not exercising, like, you know, going to the gym. Maybe it's building a snowman, having a snowball fight, going tobogganing, right? Anything that you can do outside is good. If it's indoors, it's too cold, make an obstacle course, right? My tween still loves these. Have a dance party. So we're just promoting some of that physical health as well. It's an outlet for expressing joy and excitement, right? We're giving lots of our opportunities for our kids to express themselves, to communicate their emotions. So we're using natural opportunities that come up, but we can create emotional check-ins. We can create opportunities to be flexible, to be adaptable, to be resilient. And all of those things are really important. So again, I, I've probably overstepped. I probably should have stopped a long time ago, but there's lots of different ideas there. Just make sure you're coming to it with patience and understanding and a willingness to guide your children through whatever emotional experiences come up. That's really important. And then modeling for ourselves, right? We we are the blueprint for our children. So we need to make sure that we're showing them that positive, healthy, emotional behaviors for ourselves, for them, you know, because that's going to be important and just showing them that all emotions are important. Expressing them in a healthy way is key. So we're talking about and showing all of that, that full spectrum of emotions, even if you're feeling frustrated, even if you're feeling tired, all of those things are going to be important. And what are you going to do with it? Right? That's important. So talking about it and what am I going to do? Or talking about it and taking a walk around the break or around the block, for example. So whatever that is, um, looking at your self-care as well. Actually, that's one thing with, with this COVID, I've really been listening to myself to take naps and to, to have a bath if I needed or whatever it was that I needed in the moment. So um, yoga, stretching, meditations, what is it that you need to do just to have those few minutes back for yourself? doing mindfulness. Maybe it's as a family activity, having a piece of chocolate. You know, we're mindfully going to be eating this piece of chocolate or whatever else is going on. So just being able to say, I'm going to take a break for a second. We're teaching that accountability and emotion regulation. So all of those things can be really important. I think I had lots more that I needed to say, but I'm going to leave it there for today. Um, it gives you lots of opportunities and and how we can reinforce skills, how we can create opportunities and all of those kinds of things. So um, go enjoy the rest of your day. Go enjoy the rest of your holidays. Make the most of it. Experiment and see what you like what your kids like, what you're doing that you can keep going, what you want to change. Acknowledge the effort that you're putting into, you know, raising these emotionally healthy children. But I'll leave it there for today. Um, if you haven't gotten it, actually, I have a, a, um, a holiday guide with 20 essential tips to promote emotion regulation and get the most out of the holidays. So if today was too scatterbrained and incoherent, go and check out that guide just for a few more ideas. But enjoy the rest of your day. Go help those kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next time.